The following program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey, Inc. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC. A registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Enhancement Group. Helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. Hello, I'm Susie Jones, co-host of Your Money. Reminding you, if you have a financial question for Bruce or for Peg, you can call this number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That number, 8886-ADVICE. You can also email your questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. And for the next little bit here together, you can text or call us at 651-461-9226. Now here is Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Webb and Founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Hello, you two. Good morning. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Peg. Hi, Hi, Susie. So we're talking about the stock market today, right? (laughs) So, yeah. So, um, Peg, we had actually planned on having a show today to, to discuss the stock market anyway, but even if that hadn't been on our agenda, we would have to talk about the stock market today after the retraction that we saw on Friday. The Dow was down over 900 points, and oftentimes on days like that, uh, people get a little bit excited. So so the timing of the show is perfect. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, Susie, are asking Peg and I, you know, when is this market, when is the bubble going to burst? The market's basically been on a very, very steady upward trend since the last real big retraction that ended in 2009. We did have a period uh, last year of about six weeks where it, it, where it declined quite a bit pretty quickly, but then it bounced right back and the year uh, ended up positive. And people are thinking there's, uh, to, to use their words, a bubble burst out there. And I know, Peg, a lot of them now after Friday are going, here it is. That's the beginning. The day, the floodgates are open. This is the beginning of the crash. So let's, let's put all this in perspective, where we've been, what the market's done historically, what we think it will do going forward and what Friday and, and, and really all the, all the nervousness that some people have had, what it all means and what actions people should take going forward. Hopefully by the time the show is over today, people are calmer and have a game plan going ahead. That's, that's, that's my goal for the show. Uh, Bruce, we can, we can do that. No problem. So good morning, both of you. <laughs> one of the things, one of the things that um, I have to say is we have been thankful for the stock market Let's just review. There's one index called the S&P 500 index. And there's so many more indexes than that particular one. But people like to reference that one because it's representative of 500 of the largest companies by market capitalization. So when 
you take those 500, you feel like that's a pretty good broad measure of the market for the United States and these publicly traded stocks. Now, how has that S&P 500 done? You know, COVID hit about 21 months ago. But the year 2020, on December 31st last year, we ended up up 18.39% in that particular index. Then let's go to 2021, not as of last Friday, but the Friday before, November 19th, we were up 26.65%. So I want to talk about that first because let's put last Friday into perspective. Uh, and so we talk about this 900 points or 1,000 points on the Dow. We don't use that index as much because it's just 30 stocks versus 500. And when you look at it as a percentage, and maybe it was 2.5% down uh, last Friday, look at the percentages I just talked about, how much it's been up. And not only since um, COVID hit, but if you look over the last 10 years, uh, the the S&P 500 is up 14% per year. So I have to actually say thank you. My clients are happy. They've made a lot of money. A lot of people have retired during that last 10 years, and they look at their statement now and they're saying, oh, my, I have lived all this life, this you know time frame. I've pulled money out to live on, and I have more money than I had. Okay. Now the bubble. People are talking about how can this possibly continue? Well, one of the things that we talk often about on the show and I talk to my clients about is the government has printed a lot of money. And today there's actually 33% more money supply out there than there was 21 months ago. We actually don't have a precedent for that. Back in the financial uh, crisis, back in 08, 09, uh, one-third of the amount that they printed now was printed for that crisis. So put that into perspective, just about all the money in the system. And, and I relate a big part of that growth in the stock market to that money that we didn't have in the system before, Bruce. Yes. And, and and I think Peg, that therein lies, you know, the the, the thing that people fear, or, or put um, kind of the saying the same thing, but but again, I'm trying to repeat things back for our listeners that I hear in one-on-one meetings from clients and or prospective clients. We went through this almost unprecedented global pandemic. We went through a contentious election. Uh, a storming of the Capitol on January 6th of 2021, um, racial and social unrest in the streets. How can this market keep going up? And then because of, because of COVID, because the government agreed that it should help people who are suffering through no fault of their own, not because they're lazy or because they're stupid, but because they, they didn't foresee a global pandemic coming, costing them their job or hurting their businesses, the government came in with, with financial help and put all that money out there that they really don't have. And, and so the idea is, is there's, this is what's going to drive a crash, and a crash is 
inevitable. That's that's what people think. Yeah, and I think, Bruce, you know, um, <clears throat> I don't like the word crash so much as a contraction. You know, the markets go yeah. up, the markets go down. Uh, and we know that. You know, every day I do these reviews and I talk to the clients about um, – this is this is the value and this is the resources that you have today. Uh, we need to discuss uh, what money is for the long term and the money that's in the long term bucket. That actually we can't sit here now and worry about that because we've got a good five, ten, fifteen years before we're going to utilize that money. Now think about it. It's the very last money that you're going to spend, you know, during your retirement or if you're if you're still in the growth mode, you know, you should be cheering that there would be a contraction. Hey, this is a great time. And actually, I got two calls on Friday afternoon uh, that said, should I be buying on this dip? Uh, so I didn't get any uh, calls about sell, wanting to sell, but, I, but they were calls about wanting to buy. So when I talk about this long bucket, uh, you know, the the reason we call it the long bucket and we want you to kind of ignore that long bucket is because we can't control these ups and downs, the contractions and the gains. But what we do know is that if you hang on for the long term within the stock market, you've been uh, rewarded very nicely. Yeah, Peg, I, I tell clients all the time, and, and you're, I agree with you, you're right, the, the S&P 500 is more reflective than the Dow because 500 stocks is a bigger sample size than 30. Uh, but obviously what you and I know that we haven't said yet today is there are a lot of other indices. There's, there's, there's indexes that are not large cap domestic, but there's global and emerging markets and there's small cap domestic. So we look at a lot of different indexes to try to measure what we think the markets, plural, are, are, are doing uh, in conjunction with each other, and we want our clients to be diversified and invested in more than just large-cap domestic stocks. But one quick example using the Dow, because I have that number kind of memorized. The crash of 2008 or the Great Recession or whatever people want to call it, in October of 2007, and this is to your point, Peg, in October of 2007, the Dow was trading at a little over 14,000. By March of 2009, 18 months later, a year and a half later, it was 6,500 and some change. It was down roughly 60% in, in that 18-month period of time. And people, listeners have not forgotten, I don't think, how nervous they were at that, at that time. Well, we hit the bottom in March of 2009. And even with the retraction that we just had on Friday, the Dow is trading at about 35,000. Now, remember, 14,000 to 6,500, and today it's at about 35,000, even with the hit it took on Friday. So long term, if you stayed in the market, you were rewarded. If you sold out in 2008, and I know a lot of people did, either because they were frightened or they had to sell stocks to get money for income, for lifestyle. And that, that goes to our, you know, three buckets of money, short, mid, and long-term money, and why we do that. But even, even after that great retraction, which was, for most people listening, 
the biggest retraction they've ever lived through. The only one that was worse was 1929. Even after that, they are way, way, way ahead of the game if they didn't panic and they didn't sell back in the midst of, of the retraction. So what I tell people, Peg, we don't know what the markets will do in the short term. I personally don't think there's going to be a big retraction, but I don't know. There could be. But I also believe that even if there is a fairly significant retraction, for most people, it's not going to put them in a loss situation or into the red. It's just going to take some of their winnings that they've had the last 10 years and reduce that. They're still going to be net up, maybe just not up as much. So I, when people get nervous and people get excited, um, when people think there's going to be a big retraction, you really shouldn't. Uh, because again, if you if you stay calm, you're going to get through it. Yeah, and I think um, listeners may not know, but the uh, markets are kind of trading on an anticipatory, uh, you know, guess as to what's the market going to be like six months from now, twelve months from now. It's very difficult because you know bad news or dramatic headlines tend to sell media. Uh, spot. So when you go on, I was on my iPad this morning, and when I pull this up, you would think that the sky was falling based on last Friday, and that's what gets people kind of worked up. But I would agree with you, Bruce, in that, you know, there's factors out there that do impact the stock prices, like elections, and we, we had a lot of tax law changes, uh, energy costs, um, you know, inflation, that word is coming up a lot. And, and are the companies actually profitable? Because I've heard quotes of, hey, these companies are being, um, suggesting, you know, 30% more than they should be their valuations. And when's that going to change? And, and, um, so we always go back to, we can't control what we can't control. And we actually have a workshop that we do, and we've done it for a decade now. We can't control what we can't control. So let's control what we can control, and that would be, you know, focusing on your own financial planning, figuring out how much can I afford to be in the stock market, and don't take more risk than you have to. And I have to tell you, Bruce, that a lot of people that come in to see us, either referrals from our existing clients or they hear the radio show or they saw something about Wealth Enhancement Group and they reach out to us, one of the things that um, we suggest is don't take more risk than you have to. Based on what's important to you, is it legacy to your children? Is it an income stream for you? You know, do you want to keep up with inflation even more so than inflation? All of that you have to take into consideration because if you, what I find, Bruce, is that if you don't take a lot of risk and you don't feel like you have to, then you're not prone to want to even worry when you have a Friday. You are so comfortable that you have a written plan, you know what's important to you, you actually are um, taking the risk that you feel that is warranted for all your goals. And for some of the first questions I ask somebody when they um, come and see me is, do you have a plan? And what risk are you taking? What return are you getting for that risk? And lastly, what are you paying your advisor? So those are just some of the questions I ask. But the reason I want to bring that up 
is it's amazing to me how many people can't answer those questions. And so I feel like people would be much more calm when we have Fridays like last week because they know exactly where they're at, what risks they're taking, you know, is it, does it make sense for what's important to you? So just going through that exercise, I think calms people's nerves, um, but they all still wonder, when is the contraction coming? And I like what you said, it's coming. We just don't know when. <laughs> yeah, I love what you just said too about not, uh, thank you for doing that, about not worrying about things that we can't control. So we can't control where the stock market's going to go any more than we can control the weather. I can't control if it's going to get really cold or if it's going to rain, but I can control whether I bring an umbrella and whether I wear a warm coat. Um, with regard to the stock market, we can have short, mid, uh, and long-term money. We can have tax-deferred and tax-advantaged money. We can diversify. We can have a financial plan, um, and we stick to the plan, and we and, and know that there's going to be these ups and downs in the market. But, but you're absolutely right, Peg. People that have a plan, I think, don't get shook up by these uh, days like Friday because, number one, they're, they, it's, it's bigger than just market performance for a single day. Number two, as you said, they're not taking more risk than they need to to try to achieve their goals and objectives. And number three, they understand there's a lot more important things to their overall financial success than just what the stock market does over a short period of time. So absolutely focus on things that we can control. Maybe talk a little bit more about some more things that people can control so that they don't have to be so nervous when there's days like last Friday. Yeah, one of the things um, that you can control is, and I mentioned this, is having this financial plan. So a lot of the worry comes from, uh, wanting to retire or you're, you're recently retired or you have the goal of retiring one day. And th- they feel like the stock market performance is going to actually give them the probability of success. Like they're, they're putting their entire life on the, the um, future of that stock market. Well, when you talk about controlling, you can control where you invest. So meaning, do you pay tax on money and then invest in the market, which is called after-tax money? Do you put it into your work plans where you're deferring uh, the tax? You owe a big IOU to the IRS, but at least you're earning money on the money you would otherwise have given Uncle Sam today. Uh, You're growing a bigger nest egg. Or are you taking advantage of some of the tax-advantaged buckets like Roth IRAs? or municipal bond dividends, or life insurance cash value. Uh, things you can control, Bruce, is you can control how you invest to prepare for retirement, or even if you're retired, you can prepare how you're going to live off that money for the next couple decades. And so we like to stress more about that planning versus something we can't control, uh, like the stock market. And Peg and, 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 and Susie, I know that Peg and I have uh, used up almost all of our time for the first half of the show, but one, uh, one other thing really quickly I want to get in. Peg, to that point, I know that our, our clients, not, not, not society in general necessarily, not necessarily our listeners that aren't clients, but our clients understand 
that that planning, the future value forecasting, the pension analysis, the Social Security analysis, retirement income planning, tax reduction strategies, Roth conversion, they understand that all of those things add a lot more value to their financial life and help them achieve their goals and objectives and have a successful retirement. They understand that all that stuff is actually more important than the rate of return on their investments. The rate of return on your investments matters. I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but the planning is actually going to be far more important in the big scheme of things. Yeah, and, and just I know we don't have a whole lot of time, but I don't want I don't want to end with um, we're not insensitive to, to the fact that we went through COVID, and COVID has changed a lot of people's lives. And part of the headline, you know, on Friday was, hey, there's this new variant out there, which when you talk about your health versus wealth, health does have to kind of trump wealth, meaning, you know, you got to be around and you got to stay safe and you got to be healthy to be able to spend your wealth. Um, and so maybe when we come on the backside of this, we talk a little bit about how that might affect people in general and, and what the stock market may anticipate if that happens again, where we go into another uh, lockdown. Susie? Yes, sir. Uh, we are going to continue again. This is your opportunity at any time if you're listening to reach out and call. Hello, welcome back. I'm Susie Jones, co-host of Your Money, and this is the time you can jump in and be a part of the show, 651-461-9226. That number is a number that you can call right now, or you can also text us if you have a question for Bruce or for Peg. Of course, anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can call 888-6-ADVICE. That will get you to the office there. Plus an email, your money at wealthenhancement.com is another way to contact the folks at Wealth Enhancement. Now, once again, Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Webb and founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Bruce and Peg, the situation Friday, uh, as we've seen in other times when the, when the market has dropped substantially, there is that gut feeling like, oh my goodness, what should I do? Should I sell things like Peg, you mentioned, uh, or last hour, last half hour, uh, that people, um, uh, that they asked if they should sell, if they should buy stuff because it's low. Um, but what do you do when you see a, a, a dramatic, situation on the in the markets do you tell people just what do you tell them how do you calm them down i guess bruce, yeah, yeah go I, ahead bruce yeah, or I, yeah you want to start peg yeah i can i i um i do the same thing that i've done for decades now is to remind the minute that and actually my team is is educated and prepared for calls that come in uh, we go right to that template that I call the Your Money Matrix. And we have one of those filled out for each client. And if they call in, the first thing we do, Susie, is we remind them of the long-term buckets. Because one of the questions we'll ask the client who's calling, oh, what account are you, ta- what account are you concerned about? Normally, if the market is, um, you know, dramatically down, or they sense there's going to be more uh, contraction, then we talk about those particular buckets because they usually say, oh, yes, it's my stock market um, exposure bucket. 
Well, then we go through, you know, oh, you're taking a paycheck from Wealth Enhancement Group every month. Um, this is what it is. You have enough safe money, you know, for the next three, five, ten years uh, and so that you don't have to change your life if the market contracts. You're still going to be able to, to do what you want to do. Uh, do you think we should really change that long-term money now? Because that would be very reactionary and it doesn't follow your financial plan. Every single time we talk about the plan and how we're implementing the plan, they say to us, oh, that's right. You know, I, I'm getting emotional about the market right now, just the way the headlines and the news and the news and the news, you know, they just like to report and make it uh, very dramatic. And it can be for people, I believe, that do not have a plan and they don't know really if their money is long, should it be long? Is, the, is that the right percentage? And so I encourage listeners to uh, take a look at their own situation now when the market is high. Uh, are you in the right allocation for what's important to you? Because right now, while it's high, if you're not, that would be a, a good time to rebalance. Bruce? No, I just want to really quickly, you did a great job of answering Susie's question, Peg, but I want to go back to two things from the first half of the show really quick. And Susie, again, I, I love your questions because I think they reflect the listeners and uh, I want to get to as many texts as we can and hopefully some calls. But Peg, you said something in the first half of the show that I want to put more emphasis on. You talked about the clients that we have that have been retired for a decade spending money, taking withdrawals from their investments, and they've spent a lot of money over the last 8, 10, 12 years, but they still have more money than they did when they started. And that's and, and every review meeting I have like that, and there's a lot of them, I'm not tooting my own horn, but you and I can both say we have hundreds of clients that have more money now than they did, even though they're spending it. And almost always without exception, they're surprised because they didn't think that was going to happen. They thought that their assets you know, would, would last their lifetime but get smaller or less over time. They didn't expect growth after they retired while they were in their spending years and not earning a paycheck anymore. So I just wanted to emphasize that, that, that that's really fun as a financial advisor to have so many people in that circumstance. And the other thing Right before we went to break, you talked about, so again, we, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, the, re, the reduction in the market on Friday, and at the MPEG, you hit the nail on the head. We should have probably went to that sooner. That was almost totally driven by the news from the World Health Organization, and I think the CDC has jumped on board, of this new variant. I want to say it was in South Africa, but there's a lot of concern about this new COVID variant, and that's the single biggest reason why the market was so fearful and there was such a sell-off on Friday. But, the, but it's a reminder that COVID is not gone yet. The problems that we're having with inflation, with supply chain, a lot of the things that are still holding back the economy still are directly traced to COVID. And until we're really, really past this thing, we're going to continue to have this kind of volatility and this kind of fear about the markets. But again, don't worry about things that you can't control and focus on the things that you can. 
651-461-9226. If you have a question for Bruce or for Peg, you can also text us at that same number, 651-461-9226. It is your money. Bruce Helmer, Peg Webb, taking your questions during this half hour of the program. I have to ask my question because you know me, I always have these little tidbits that I want to jump in with personally because I'm that way. I, my sister, my sister, I think I might have shared this. My mom gave us United Healthcare stock many years ago and $10,000 worth. And it was trading at like $34 a share. And now it's $439 a share. She kept hers and she's got a lot of dough. We sold ours. I sold mine for a mutual fund. If I want to buy one stock, just to say I own one stock of United Health Group, which I'm looking up right now, it's down 2.28%. So next $439. I just want to own it so that I can make money off it because it's going to keep growing and splitting. Would you say, Susie, that's a ridiculous use of $439? Either Peg or Bruce. Bruce, do you want to start? Or Peg, I don't know, whichever. Peg, ahead, Peg why don't you start, and I'll, I'll jump on okay. so I have anything to add. Okay, Peg. Okay. The first thing that I thought of when you were talking about that um, personal situation is, you know, hopefully you're not concentrated in that one company. And what's happening now in the market is there's uh, some companies that are doing much better in the S&P 500 than other companies. Um, usually it's tech companies like Microsoft and Apple, and those are just going crazy, where there might be some other companies that are not doing as great. The, we, we preach, you know, uh, no more than 10% of your liquid net worth invested in one particular company. And the reason for that is because Bruce and I have been around a long time, and we've worked with a lot of clients, and you don't know what you don't know because personally, I don't know the inner workings of these companies and what's all going on inside that uh, that corporation. So why would I take more risk than I have to? What I would argue is um, the stock that you own, there's probably a lot of other stocks that are just as good. Uh, your, um, they, you know, your relative could have bought any company, and there's a lot of them, that you would have the same story that you're having with this one stock. So we recommend a little bit more diversification. And lastly, I would say 2.5% on a a growth of 40% in the last 21 months probably isn't a reason to react at all. Well, there you go. There's my answer. Did you want to add anything, Bruce? Yeah, just a little bit. Thank you, Susie. And and, and thanks for asking the question, because, again, you're so good at I'm sure that a lot of listeners have questions just like that. Maybe not the same stock you mentioned, but uh, some, you know, uh, some similar situation. So I, I my mind worked kind of the same way that Pegs did. Sometimes. Uh, oh, full disclosure. I think this is something I, I need to say. Um Susie mentioned a, a specific company. I think Peg and I actually are not supposed to do that, but Susie, you can. Okay. You're not a registered representative. I'm not. So, full disclosure, that company that you mentioned, uh, an exec for that company, 
and I are business partners in the Chanhassen Dinner Theater. So oh, I, I have I that, didn't know that connection that I think. Well, I think I, I think that's something that I, I should disclose sure. to listeners. So in any event, my answer doesn't have really anything to do with that, and I, and I don't have any ulterior motive. But I agree with what Peg said. We we frequently will tell clients that they should diversify, and when they do that, so so whatever the company is, oftentimes the company that somebody works for. They build up a lot of stock in that company, and it might be a great company, and it might be a company that you would want to invest in even if you didn't work there, and yet we might tell them to sell some shares for diversification's sake. I never tell them if you sell those shares and invest in a more diversified portfolio, that will give you a better rate of return. That's not our motivation when we make that recommendation. Our motivation is to reduce risk. You, you mentioned in your example, your sister didn't sell and you did, and she's got this phenomenal rate of return, but that doesn't mean that you made a mistake, Susie. If you diversified or if you needed that money for something else when you sold, if you and your sister had different circumstances, that doesn't mean that you both should hold or you both should sell. You both have to be driven by things going on in your life. But we often tell clients to sell a stock, not because we think it'll necessarily improve their performance, but the goal might be to diversify and reduce risk and not have too many eggs in a single basket. In terms of your original question, is it silly to go buy one share of a stock? Absolutely not. The, the investment world is actually making this more easy now. It used to be in the old days that you couldn't go buy a stock unless you bought at least what they called a round lot, which was 100 shares. But today you can go buy one share of a stock or 10 shares of a stock. And if you're investing in a good company and you're investing as much as that you can afford or as much risk as you're willing to take, um, it's not wrong to have one or five or 10 shares of, of a stock. That, that's fine. But like Peg said, that level of risk should be a small percentage of your overall portfolio. And to your original question, 400 and some bucks, obviously that is. A relatively small amount. Nothing, nothing wrong with doing that. All right, very good. Um, are there still day traders? I always think about the '80s. You know, when you bought low, sold high, and it was this frenetic activity where you know you see it, the Wolf of Wall Street. Is that happen anymore, or do we not hear about it, Peg? I don't know. Well, I'm sure they're out there. We have no um, connection or sure. correlation to oh, sure. day traders, so. We pretty much ignore them and yeah. let them do their thing. And uh, but I don't think there's quite as many yeah. as that uh, the decades ago because there's so many stories about people losing their shirt and their sure. families and their houses. And yeah. so we encourage diversification. Sure. So that was a good question because I think it relates to you know there's so many good things to buy out there. Why not buy a little bit of a lot of things? Yeah, right. Well, before we have 15 minutes now left together or so, and we as as we end this week's program, we want to talk a little bit about the holidays. We just had Thanksgiving, and hopefully everybody had a wonderful holiday. But, you know, now we're kind of moving in the direction. A lot of people are asking for money, you know, the charities that we love. Uh, tell us about gifting, whether to a charity or whether to a child, if that's the item, that's what they want. For a you know, you want to give them whatever the amount you can give safely. So, 
Go ahead, Peg, and answer that for us first, and then we'll follow up with more uh, texts and calls as well. Yeah, thanks, Susie, because, yes, we just went through uh, the week of Thanksgiving, and we can't help but think about charities uh, that are in need and people out there that are not as fortunate as we are. Also, we're starting to hear the bell, you know, the red um, kettle, and it reminds us that there's so many people that are less fortunate than we are. So we're encouraging our clients now. We actually do intra-year tax planning where we don't wait until December hits to do it. But I want to let the public know that there's lots of ways that you can give yet and maybe it'll benefit you, but it'll also really benefit the charity. One is that you can give cash. Uh, because of COVID, the IRS is allowing us, if you ha- on a joint return, to give away $600. And if you're, st- if you're a standard deduction person uh, on a joint return, if you're single, you can do $300. So when you go to your CPA or you do your own taxes, Make sure that you have receipts for that amount because it comes off the front page of your return, which is very helpful. Secondly, if you're in a required minimum distribution age, um, used to be 70 and a half, they still kept the ability of, if you're 70 and a half or older and you have IRAs, you can give to charities directly out of your IRA and not pay any tax then on pulling those dollars out. Uh, you also can um, bunch your deduction. So what I'm finding, Bruce and Susie, is when I'm looking at these tax returns, that because the deduction uh, for 65-year-olds um, or older is somewhere in the 27000 28000 range, they're not coming up with enough deductions to, uh, and then they, they, they do standard. So then you're giving up, even though you're giving $8,000 to a charity, you're not getting the deduction. Well, if indeed, you know, you um, are younger than 70 and a half, you may want to take five years worth of charity and give it all in the same year and open up uh, an entity called a donor advised fund. So what we're doing is we're calculating how many years before people are 70 and a half, and then we're figuring out how much they give per year, opening up that account. You can deposit the money in there, and then you don't have to give it this year. You can give it over the next 5, 10, 20, 25 years. So that's a strategy that um, that actually we're using a lot and educating clients on. So. Uh, lots of ways that you can give and still get a tax deduction, but you have to be a little bit more strategic now than you've been in the past. Bruce, anything to add there? Yeah, well, Peg, Peg did such a good job with that. I, I don't really have much to add, but, but you know, part of the reason um, that we talk about giving, uh, and again, we tied it to this show because when we first had the idea for this show, it was before the market retracted so much on Friday, and we were going to kind of tie into everybody's had all these games in the market, and, the, and, they've, and they've made money. What a great time to be charitable and, and feel good about it. Well, after what happened Friday, I, I fear some people are going to say, wait a minute, I'm not sure. But, again, I don't think something that happens in the market in the short term, whether it's a day or even a week or a month, I don't think that changes your long-term planning. And if it was always part of your planning to to, to do charitable giving or, or tithing to your church or whatever, you don't discontinue that because of something that happened in the market in the short or the long term. But we sort of lost that optimistic 
uh, feeling that we had because because of the retraction on Friday. But it's still a lot of people are going to be doing their giving in December. We know that. And just be as efficient with it as you can. All right. One texter writes, will there be another stimulus check sent out? I've heard twelve or 1400 and then I heard nothing about it. Do we? Are you kind of following that for folks as well? Watching out for that. Uh... Peg, what is Peg? Yeah, Peg, what is going on with that? I'm, I'm the same way. I've, I've I've heard things, but I don't know that I've read anything definitive. Yeah, I I have not either. Um, I've you know heard more about the Build Back Better. Um, you know, going through the the House and and you know then going through the Senate, and a lot of that is to take care of families. Um, daycare and, you know, uh, the need that's out there for uh, folks. But I have not heard of a stimulus check coming anytime soon. That doesn't mean that they're not working on it, mm. but I have not, um, I have not had anybody bring it up to me or have heard much about it at all, Susie and Bruce. Well, I think that people, you know, there are the well, there are different levels of wealth. And I think that that 12 or 1400 for a lot of people listening, Maybe not necessarily, you know, having millions of dollars in a portfolio, but that is important to help people get by on a day-to-day basis. So we appreciate that. And we'll follow it for folks and bring them information uh, next week as we continue on. We have about two minutes left, guys. This texter says, would you recommend drawing retirement income from a portfolio of 60% equities and 40% bonds considering the market pullback? And we have two minutes one minute. Go ahead. Okay. So one of the things that I'm encouraging is to, to revisit that allocation. If that allocation is still appropriate for you, 60% stocks, 40% bonds, then you actually could do a pro rata draw from that where you take some of the stock market and some of the bonds. Or what you should do is if you really want to be a 50-50, maybe now is the time to sell off 10%, get into the... Um, you know, the correct allocation, and then also maybe then spend down your profits in the next coming years. Bruce? Yeah, really quickly, I'll just add a 60-40 portfolio to me is a moderate portfolio, or or I would even say a growth and income portfolio. So it might be a portfolio that I recommend knowing that my client might not have a long period of time and design the portfolio also for income and not just growth. So it probably is a very good place to take withdrawals from. Very good. And thanks to everyone who listened and texted in. If you have a question we didn't get to, one eight 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 six advice or you can go and email your question at yourmoneywealthenhancement.com. See you next week. The previous program was sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey, Inc.